Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Ministries International. We value the Word of God as an instrument of growth in our lives, using it to mend our ways, align our thinking, and ultimately bring restoration. We trust that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. We're going to continue with our theme uh, today on the Holy Spirit and His gifts. This would be part two of the message. The first message I preached on the gifts was last Sunday. If you haven't uh, been present, I encourage you to uh, listen to it. It's on our podcast. So as an introduction to my message today, I want to share my personal testimony on what it means uh, to walk with the Holy Spirit. What does He mean to me and how much I value the presence of the person of the Holy Spirit throughout my journey. So uh, what I want to share in a few words who and what the Holy Spirit means to me. And I want to encourage you to press into the presence of the Lord and continue to build an intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit. Remember, the Father is in heaven. Jesus is seated at the right hand of God. And with us in person is the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Godhead. And so we have a desperate need to get to know him, to understand how he thinks, how he leads, how he speaks to us, how he guides us, and to recognize when he prompts us and guides us in certain direction. He's concerned about every area of our lives. And so for me, I have walked with the Spirit for almost 48 years. And I feel that I know Him now more intimately than I have ever known Him before. I have grown to love, I have grown to appreciate Him more now than I have ever done before. I could say with all honesty that He is my closest friend and he is my faithful companion. The only one I feel that understands me fully. I can talk to him about anything, things that I would not talk with any other human being. And he accepts and he loves us and he loves me just the way that I am. He is the only one actually that I can talk to the way I do heart to heart and share my most intimate thoughts and my intimate dreams, if I can put it that way. I have experienced Him, the person of the Spirit, that in my darkest hours, He never fails to bring me His light and His truth on any matter that I seek Him, even in the darkest hours. In my weakest moments, He strengthens me and comforts me 
He is the finest comforter that I know. He comforts like no human being could ever do. And I sense that in my most vulnerable moments, I sense his presence. He holds me in his arms and he loves me with a love that is beyond my ability to describe in my natural language. I can, honest, I can honestly say that the Holy Spirit is my everything. And he is more precious to me now than he has ever been before. I love him with all of my heart, with all of my mind, my soul, and my strength. I would come into my office very early in the morning and my flesh, the last thing my flesh wants to do is pray. But the moment I turn my attention to him, the spirit within, and I call upon his help and assistance, there comes an, an unction, an inspiration that I cannot describe in the natural language. And he helps me pray through the things that I need to pray for that day. Now, what value can you place on that? It's invaluable. He is invaluable, his presence. There is no value. He's my helper, my comforter, my teacher, my guide, and the most precious and kind and most wonderful person I know. He's my closest friend. He's never failed to hear my cry and answer my prayer. And in all the years I have walked with him, I do not recall a time where he raised his voice at me even when I missed it. Never raised his voice. But he gently calms my fears and often in the most gentle way, he rebukes my unbelief. Even his correction and his rebuke is so gentle and so soothing to my soul. And as the psalmist said, to whom can we compare him? There is no one like him. He stands alone, above all, with no competitors and no contenders. Moses described him in the book of Exodus, or I think in the song of Miriam. And one of the descriptions he gives to the Lord, he said, who is like you, O Lord? among the gods with a small g who is like you glorious in holiness fearful in praises doing wonders there is none like him and i want to encourage you to press into the presence of god because in the day and in the time that we are living in god is preparing a remnant a remnant of people that will navigate, that will flow through the Spirit. And we will see great signs and wonders by the hands of those that have committed themselves and consecrated themselves fully to the precious Holy Spirit, to work in them and through them unhindered, without reservations. And so... Here is a question uh, that some of you may be asking. Who is qualified 
to receive this wonderful person called the Holy Spirit. I recall a conversation I had with the bishop of the Orthodox Church in Harare back in the 1980s. We go back a long time. When he summoned me in his office, I was, um, I was accused of not doing certain things or not preaching about the saints and the Virgin Mary. And uh, he summoned me into his office. And I recall in his rebuke, he rebuked me because I said to him, that I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. And then he said to me, I've been a bishop in the Orthodox Church for 40 years, and I do not have the Holy Spirit. How can a sinner like you say you received the Holy Spirit? That's exactly what he said to me. <laughs> and I realize that ignorance of what God has promised us has robbed many, many of God's dear children of receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the problem is never with God giving us His Spirit. The problem is always being with us, not knowing how to receive Him and how to flow with Him. The Bible says that all who repent, no matter where you come from or what you have done in your life, good or evil, if you repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says your sins will be forgiven and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Remember, he is a gift, God's gift to us. Listen to what Peter said in Acts chapter 2, verses 38 to 39. Then Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children, and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. Amen. It's very clear. The Bible is very clear who is qualified to receive the Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children, and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. Amen. We need to remember that he is God's gift to all who received the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. The promise of the Spirit is to us, the Bible says, is for us, for our children to all who are afar off. So receiving the Holy Spirit is as easy and simple as drinking water. Listen to what Jesus said in John's Gospel, chapter 7, verse 37 to 39. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit is not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Amen. Here is the condition. Repent, believe, and you shall receive. But also you need to be thirsty. Is Jesus said, if anyone anyone 
who thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Now, how difficult is it to go to the, to the tap and drink water? Very, very simple. We complicate matters. I've heard people say, well, I've been in the Lord for so many years and I haven't received the Holy Spirit. Maybe it's not for me. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Listen to what Jesus said. Receiving the Holy Spirit is as simple as, as drinking water. Jesus said, wait a minute. In the, listen to, uh, sorry, forgive me. I've mixed up my scriptures. Luke's Gospel, chapter 11, verses 10 to 13. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Isn't that very clear? Jesus made it very clear to us. Because I've also heard people that say, well, if I ask the Lord to give me the Spirit, what if I receive uh, another spirit or an evil spirit? There Jesus said, if a son of any of you who is a father asks for bread, will he give him a stone? If you ask, you will receive. That's what the Lord Jesus said, and we need to believe that. So he is not a feeling. We need to remember because so many want to feel something. He's not a feeling. He's not an emotion. He is a person. Amen. Therefore, we need to treat him as a person and give him our, our utmost respect. But if we keep ignoring him by not acknowledging him or fellowshipping with him, he will remain silent as though he's not even present. And what, what prompts the Holy Spirit to minister to us is our reverential attitude. One of the key scriptures for me in regard to this is found in Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 6. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Amen. What does it mean to acknowledge him? In all your ways, in every decision, acknowledge him. To acknowledge him means to consult with him, to talk to him about it. It means to respect and to honor him. Amen? That's what it means. And if you do that, the Bible assures us that he shall direct your paths. When? When we acknowledge him. When we submit ourselves to him and say, Holy Spirit, I yield and present my body to you as a living sacrifice. That's what, we, that's what we should do every morning, actually, before we start our day. Holy Spirit, I present my body. I yield myself to you, holy and acceptable, which is my reasonable service. And when we do that, and throughout the day we converse with him, we talk to him, 
We talk to him about our feelings. We talk to him about our work. We talk to him about our decisions. We talk to him about our children. We talk to him about whatever bothers, whatever concerns us. If we do that, he will give us direction. He will bring to our remembrance scriptures that we've read. He will illuminate the word, give life to the word that we have learned or studied. And he will guide us. Amen. So let's continue now from where we left off last Sunday and explain the function of the rest of the gifts. Remember last Sunday, we only covered two of the gifts, the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge. Today, we will finish the rest of them, the seven other gifts or manifestations of the spirit, what they are and what their function is. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues, but one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as He wills. Amen. There they are, nine manifestations that reside in the Holy Spirit and manifest themselves as the Spirit wills. It's important to understand this. We can't turn them off and on. They are manifesting, they are manifestations of the Spirit as He wills, not as we will. Amen? So, let's go on. We covered the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, to, and now we, we're going to look at special faith or the gift of faith. As I've explained last week, the faith that is listed here, it's not the same as is referred in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8, or in Romans chapter 12 and verse 3. Let's look at that verse once again, Romans 12 verse 3. For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Here the word says, is talking to believers here in Rome, and he says, to everyone among you, among the church, the, everyone who's been born again by the Spirit of God has received a measure of faith. That's already been given to us. For well, without it, we can never be saved. But the gift of faith that is referred in Romans chapter, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, is a faith that is added to the measure of faith by the Spirit in order to see the miraculous in operation. It is special faith that is added to our existing faith. Now, this doesn't happen all the time, but only as the Spirit wills. And I recall in all the years I have walked with the Lord, this manifestation took place in my life only a couple of times that I, I recall, maybe more, but I distinctly recall twice. And the manifestation of these gifts takes you out of the bounds of doubt 
In other words, you couldn't doubt even if you wanted to. It is a faith that knows beyond a shadow of a doubt what will take place even before it takes place. That is the gift that is listed in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. You become so assured and unshakable in your belief regarding the situation that you're facing. It could be a sickness, it could be a crisis, whatever the case might be. You have that assurance before you actually see or feel anything. That is the gift of faith in operation. And this gift, if you, if you notice in the Gospels, operated in Jesus's ministry all the time in raising the dead and healing incurable diseases. You need that kind of faith to raise the dead. And in the case, for example, in the case of Moses, parting the Red Sea, that was the working of miracles. But in order for the working of miracles to manifest, it took the special faith that we are studying at this present time. Another example in Joshua's ministry, you recall, he commanded the sun to stand still until he defeated the Amalekites or the enemies, whoever he was fighting. Uh, now, that's, that you cannot do that with the ordinary measure of faith that we have been given. It takes the special faith. And Joshua uh, did that, that working of miracles when the sun stood still, I don't know for how long, until he defeated all of his enemies. That is the gift of faith that is listed in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Let's go to another gift, the gifts of healings. And if you, as you notice, it's in plural. It's not the gift of healing. It is gifts of healings. Now, I have heard of people, particularly ministers, who have been called into the ministry of the evangelist, testifying that they have the gift for healing blind eyes. And that manifestation manifests itself frequently in the ministry. Others have testified of healing of cancers. Others healing of kidneys. That's why it's listed as gifts, plural, of healings. Amen. Usually, the ministry of the evangelist, and you all, all of us have heard of him, is accompanied by healings and other miracles as we read in the book of Acts. Modern day evangelist was Reinhard Bonnke who witnessed great miracles in his ministry throughout Africa and many others like him. These gifts manifested themselves regularly in the ministries. For example, if you look at Acts chapter eight, verses six through eight in the ministry of Philip the evangelist. And the multitudes of one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed, and lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. Amen. Philip went to Samaria. What did he do? He preached Christ. It's called Philip the Evangelist. And great miracles 
the people witnessed. He did unclean spirits crying out with a light voice. Many who were possessed, many who were paralyzed and lame were healed, and there was great joy in that city. It is important to note, though, that when these gifts manifest as the Spirit wills, the person receiving the gift doesn't even have to exercise his faith. God sovereignly moves by the Spirit and heals that person, and sometimes the person doesn't not even know what happened. He wasn't even believing for healing. That's when God sovereignly moves as the Spirit wills. And it's important to understand that. And, um, and, and that is the gifts of healings that are listed in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And we need to be praying for these gifts to manifest themselves. They're not going to fall on us like ripe cherries off of a tree. Paul says, covet earnestly the best gifts. We need to pursue them. We need to cry out to God for the Spirit to manifest Himself in, in these kind of miracles, signs and wonders, particularly for the unbelievers. So when they see these signs, they are attracted to the Lord Jesus Christ. Then we look at the working of miracles. The working of miracles manifest in supernatural signs and wonders. Often, they are creative miracles like adding a part of the body that is missing. It's a recreative miracle. For example, Jesus, through this gift, gave the man who was born blind a creative miracle by making mud out of the ground, plastering the man's eyes, and instructing him to go and wash in the pool of Siloam. He did. And he came back healed and restored. That was a creative miracle. That wasn't healing. That was the working of miracles in action. As I said, Joshua commanding the sun to be still. That is the working of miracles. Moses parting the Red Sea. That is the working of miracles. Elijah calling down fire from heaven, consuming the altar and the offering and putting the prophets of Baal to shame. 800 prophets. Single-handedly, Elijah slew them all. <laughs> that, that is supernatural, a sign and a working. It cannot be done, naturally speaking. For example, Elisha. Remember in the book of, uh, uh, I think, Kings, he called down fire from heaven twice and consumed two captains with the 50 soldiers that was the working of miracles no no wonder james and john when they were not received in a certain city in samaria they said shall we call down fire lord and and burn them like elisha did and jesus rebuked them because he said you do not know what spirit you're of that's the working of miracles Another, the widow filling many jars, many empty jars of oil out of one bottle of oil. That's the working of miracles. Peter raising Dorcas from the dead and many other examples from the Bible. That's the working of miracles. 
prophecy. The Bible talks about the gift of prophecy. What's prophecy? Prophecy is inspired utterance by the Spirit for the purpose of edifying, exhorting, and comforting the church. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 3. He who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. We see that what it's for. Prophetic utterance is to edify. It is to exhort the body of Christ and to comfort us. All prophetic utterance, though, according to the word, must be judged according to the word, whether they measure up to Scripture and they do what they are supposed to do. Amen? I've heard many, many uh, wrong use, uh, if I could say that, of prophetic utterances that have brought great damage and harm to the to people in, in the church. For example, I've heard of people saying, you know, well, they prophesy, the Lord told me you give me your fridge or you give me your furniture or you give me your car or prophetic utterance and the Lord said to you, you must marry this person or that person. And great harm was, was done by these false prophetic utterances. That's why the Bible says every prophetic utterance must be judged and discerned whether it agrees with the scripture. Amen. No prophetic utterance should be received unless you bear witness within your spirit. It comes as a confirmation to exhort you, to comfort you, and to edify you. And particularly, we should not receive any prophetic utterances very quickly without judging them, especially from people that we do not know. Amen. The people who exercise spiritual oversight over you know you. And they can speak with authority as the Spirit gives them utterance because they know you. They walked with you and you walked with them. Amen? Why do I say that? The reason being is that many self-appointed prophets, so-called prophets, are running around prophesying on people that they have no business prophesying. That's why you should be careful. Don't look for prophecies. If God wants to comfort you, he has a way of doing it. And he will use people that you know, that you respect and you trust. But even then, you must test every prophetic utterance if it's in line with Scripture. Amen. Can we go on? All right. We come to discerning of spirits. Discerning of spirits gives one the ability to see into the realm of the spirit and to discern what kind of spirit or spirits are in operation in a person's life or in certain situations. Is it the Holy Spirit at work? Is it an evil spirit at work? Or is it a human spirit? And that ability or that gift gives us the ability to discern because we see into, it's like a curtain is pulled and we are able to see into the realm of the Spirit with the eye of the Spirit. Amen. For example, we're going to look at Acts chapter 16, verse 16 through to 19 to see this gift in operation. Now it happened 
As we went to prayer, that a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination met us, who brought her masters much profit by fortune telling. This girl followed Paul and us and cried out, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, who proclaim to us the way of salvation. And this she did for many days. But Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. But when her masters saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. Amen. We see here in the above verses the operation of the gift of discerning of spirits that manifested through Paul. And Paul, by this gift, he discerned that this slave girl was under the influence of a spirit of divination and not the Holy Spirit. But listen, she was speaking the truth in what she said. Remember what she said? Here it is. These men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. That was not a lie. That was the truth. What she was saying was the truth, but she was under the influence of a spirit of divination. Now, listen carefully. The Bible says that she did this for many days. Many days. Now, here's the question. Why didn't Paul cast out the spirit out of this slave girl the first day that she was prophesying and saying these things? Or the second day? simply because the gift did not operate then, but only after many days. This went on for many days, but Paul did not discern until many days, until the gift or the manifestation revealed or, or manifested itself, and Paul saw that this was not the Spirit of God, this was the spirit of divination, and he cast it out of her. He didn't want the devil advertising it. Amen. It's important to note that. Remember again that these manifestations operate as the spirit wills and not as we will. We can't switch them off and on. It is as we flow and move in the power of the spirit. Different kinds of tongues and interpretation of tongues. We come to the last two. As I have explained in my previous lessons a couple of Sundays ago, these manifestations of the Spirit include foreign tongues of other nations that we do not know, we didn't study, we didn't learn, but also they include angelic tongues. Why do I say that? Because in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, Paul says, If I speak the tongues of men and angels and have not love, it profits me nothing. So he's talking about speaking tongues of men and of angels. Often the tongues that we speak are angelic tongues. Okay? This is an ability that is given by the Spirit 
to speak in that tongue, tongue that we have not learned, but by the utterance and inspiration of the Holy Spirit. That's how I pray most of my prayers. And when I have prayed in the Spirit, then God gives me the interpretation of what I was praying or points me in the right direction. And then I pray with my understanding. But always I let the Spirit go first. Paul does that. I pray, he says, with the Spirit, and I pray with my understanding. But he always lists praying in the Spirit first and then praying with his understanding. Now, the interpretation of these tongues in a public assembly or in our prayer closet is also a gift or a manifestation of the Holy Spirit for the purpose of edifying and exhorting us in the faith. I've been greatly encouraged through the gift of interpretation. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, I think, and verse 14, Paul says, If I pray in a tongue, let him pray also that he may interpret. We need to ask for it. And when we do, we need to believe for it, not doubt. For if you doubt, don't expect to receive anything from the Lord, James says. Amen? All of these manifestations or gifts of the Spirit are given to each one of us in order to help, to edify, to profit us. That's what the Bible says. To stay without them, not to seek them, not to press in for these manifestations, we are being robbed of what God has given us and what Jesus died and paid a great price that we may flow in these gifts. Can you imagine a mechanic trying to fix a car without his tools? Can you imagine a plumber going to fix something that is broken and doesn't have his tools? It's the same for us. It's not just for pastors and for ministers. It's for every believer who has repented, received Christ, and has been born again by the Spirit of God. And you need to press in and pursue, covet, earnestly, call out to God and say, Lord, I desire them. I want them. I pray and I believe you for them. And then watch God move as you present yourself to the Spirit. Now, I want to talk a little bit, just a couple of minutes, about the altar of sacrifice. The key to having these gifts flow through us is to present ourselves or our bodies to the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, as a living sacrifice and allow Him to lead us and to take us wherever He wishes. In other words, scrap your agenda and embrace His agenda. Amen? That's what it means to put ourselves on the altar of sacrifice. Listen to what Paul said in Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Amen? Do you see that? He says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you do what? Present your bodies. 
as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Amen. We are not our own. Our lives don't belong to us anymore. We have been bought with a price, not just any price, the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Corinthians says that those who live should no longer live unto themselves, but unto him who died and rose again. Paul says, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. That's why we live on this earth. We live for the king. We belong to the king. We're not our own. Nothing, nothing is ours. Not our time, not our body. Paul said, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, which you have received from God? Therefore glorify God in your spirit and in your body. Our time is not our own. Our future is not our own. Our possessions are not our own. They all belong to him. And as we present ourselves to him, we present everything that we are and everything that we own. Amen. And we listen. We listen to the instructions of the Spirit. He may tell you to do something. Go visit your neighbor. Knock on the door. I mean, I have that every day taking place. I take a walk up the hill and I pray in the spirit and the Lord would say, I, I want you to come and knock on this door. I do. I introduce myself. I wave to people. I chat to them. I meet them on the road. I find out who they are, what they're doing. The other day I, I come down the road and I see a, an elderly man standing by the balcony. I stop, I say, good morning. Good morning, he says. Are you enjoying your walk? Yes, sir, I am. It's a glorious morning. Praise God. He said, I'm admiring my koi fish. That was, that's his habit. He's got this, this, um, this pool full of beautiful colored fish. And I, I, I discerned that his accent is not South African. I said, what nationality are you? He said, I am Portuguese. My name is Ferdinando. Oh, I said, that's wonderful. My daughter-in-law is Portuguese. My son married a Portuguese girl. And he started laughing. He said, well, my daughter married a Greek boy. And his mother is from Cyprus. My goodness. Now, is that coincidence or is that God incidence? I said, give me your telephone number. I'm going to call you and you're going to come down and have coffee or tea with me. And I'm going to introduce you to my daughter-in-law. You can, yes, yes, I love that very much, he said. That's not coincidence. That's, that's, that's being available to the Lord. In fact, I said, Lord, give me this mountain. Just like Caleb said to Moses. He said, I'm 80 years of age. I am as strong as I was when I was 40 years. And Caleb asked for the toughest territory to conquer for the kingdom, for the Lord. And he did. Amen. Be available to the spirit. Come out of hiding. Step out by faith into the light. And walk in the light. He may whisper to you. He may prompt you to do something. Amen. These things 
And he may tell you to do something that's out of the box, may blow your mind. Do something you've never done before. Go where you've never been before. The walk in the Spirit is the most exciting walk you can experience. Amen. God never meant for us to hide in the four walls of the church. We are to go out and be the light, be a witness. Even this morning, I'm walking and and I bump into my neighbors, husband and wife and a woman, just next door to my house. They know me. Hello, how are you? Oh, fine. And I started walking together with them. And we talked, and I find out that something that I never knew, that the husband of, 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 uh, of the one uh, woman is, is a Jew. And he told me that uh, in the synagogue he invited a pastor last week to speak. I said, you a Jew invites a pastor? Yes, he said. And he spoke very well about the Jewish nation, about, about the covenant we have and our allegiance. That was wonderful. And in the course of the conversation, God gave me an opportunity to share the gospel with him. I'm telling you before long, I'm going to plant a church up here. And I'm going to call it Church on the Hill. Praise God. Be praying with me, please. Not long now. You can do that in your neighborhood if you follow the Spirit. He, you will be amazed at the things He will show you and He will do through you. Now, in obedience to the Lord, the Spirit, we must be willing to sacrifice. We must be willing even to be misunderstood, persecuted, and even to suffer for his sake. And I want to say one more thing, and I want to close. Every excuse we make not to get on the altar of sacrifice is just another excuse to justify our fears and our lack of devotion to the one who ransomed us. Amen. I want you to pray this prayer with me as we close. Heavenly Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, in obedience to your holy word, I present my body to you as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to you, which is my reasonable service. And Lord, I decree and declare that I will not be conformed to this world, but I will be transformed daily by the renewing of my mind, that I may prove that which is good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this message. For additional resources or more information about this ministry, come and visit us at alphaomegaint.org.za.